With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones, and Gavin Buckland. As once again, we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And today, as promised, following Friday's transfer outgoing special, we will be flipping it on its head and talking about potential incomings. And there is some tangible transfer news for us to get our teeth stuck into. Of course, Jonas Lossel, a confirmed target for the Blues this summer. Um, and we will kick off talking about the, the Danish goalkeeper. Um, Preno as, as a backup and a, as a potential number two to Jordan Pickford, which is what he would be. Um, Jonas lost on a free transfer. Does that represent good business? It underwhelms me, I have to be honest. Um, I think we've, we've talked before about what we wanted to see, you know, so in the goalkeeping slot. And is it uh, an older, experienced, reliable backup, somebody that is available when, when necessary? Uh, or do you want a younger, slightly more ambitious goalkeeper that's arguably going to push Jordan Pickford and you know bring better performances out of him? And uh, I, I would go for the latter person. I don't think Jonas Lossel fits that bill. Uh, very, very similar to Martin Stecklenberg in that respect. In that you know he's got experience. He's he's been around the game a lot. He, he'd be relatively reliable. I say relatively because he's certainly had a very busy season. You know, so for Huddersfield, I think the last thing I can remember was him shipping five goals at Anfield. So. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's all a little bit unfair because, I mean, if you remember correctly, Nigel Martin was brought in as an understudy all those years ago and very, very quickly displaced Richard Wright, who was number one at the time and became one of the best goalkeepers that we've seen at Goodison in recent years. I can't really say Jonas Lossel is ever going to you know, sort of reach those heights. So I don't know. It, it's all right. It's, um, it, it's, a, it's a marking time uh, appointment, I would suggest. Obviously, Martin Stecklenberg looks like he's going to move on, and so it's somebody to replace him. Does it stun Joe Virginia's development? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I would have liked to have seen something maybe a little bit more ambitious, but that's me being you know, so a miserable old so and so. Go on, then, go. I'll pick up on, on Preno's point. What young, ambitious goalkeeper is going to come in and be number two to Jordan Pickford? Well, it's a, it's a good point. Uh, I just, by Preno's point, it, you know, wouldn't have taken a lot to uh, take it to trade's place, to be true, fair, true. would it, really? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think. What this shows to me is two things. A, the difficulties of, of getting, as you say, Phil, a ambitious goalkeeper to be number two and where you're saying you, you might cut games at most. Uh, and that's the first thing. Anybody with ambition, would they want to really fit into that? And the second thing is, um, I think it shows a lot of confidence in Pickford and Virginia as well, by perhaps. Um, and linked in with that, is the financial position is that there's go on to talk about that there's other areas that need need uh, sort of developments as it were yeah, sorry, in the club just, sorry <clears throat> so to interject anybody that doesn't um, wasn't fully up to speed with the story uh, Lossel has been released by Huddersfield so he'd be coming in as a free agent yeah, that's yeah, what you're yeah, saying yeah, there yeah, yeah yeah so I would imagine that they'd rather spend money elsewhere if there's cash to be spent elsewhere on the team that needs strengthening um, and also with the wage uh, the wage bill to be 
uh, looked at as well. So I think there's a number of reasons that makes it difficult and and, and explains why this transfer has happened for me. It's a tricky balancing act, yeah. Actually, yeah. by young, ambitious goalkeeper, I was thinking rather than, you know, so an established young superstar who's you know, so going to come in and try and challenge Jordan Pickford, just a goalkeeper that could arguably improve. And I'm thinking more like Joel Robles when he came in. He was a young goalkeeper who, OK, he'd won an FA Cup with Wigan, but he was their reserve goalkeeper at the time. Uh, and he came in and he improved at Everton and he got to a spell whereby he was keeping out Tim Howard um, on, on merit, admittedly, a Tim Howard who was like slightly on the decline at the time. So I'm just thinking somebody more who fits that bill, you know, so a younger goalkeeper who's ambitious, who wants first team football and is going to push Jordan Pickford. Lossell isn't going to improve. Uh, you know, he's solid. You know, he's, he's is 30 okay. not still relatively young in goalkeeping stakes, given that Stecklenburg is, what, 37? Mm. Yeah, yeah, well, okay, maybe he's younger. But yeah. I, I was thinking somebody that, you know, we're going to see pushing Jordan Pickford for first team place. And is Lossell going to do that? I'm not so sure he, he will. I think if you were to do that, though, if you get like, going to bring in a younger sort of goalkeeper, then you are going to be stunting the progress of Jao Virginia. And I don't think that's what the club want to be doing at all, really. I think the club have got you know really big ambitions for Virginia. I think he's looked good for the under-23s this season. Yeah. He's probably not ready to bridge the gap to the first team as of yet, but you're thinking maybe after this coming season, then he might be. And if you were to bring in a younger sort of goalkeeper to actually be challenging Pickford, you're instantly stunting his progress into the first team. Yeah. If you bring in Losel, you know, you're getting him in on a free. He's not, As you say, he's not really going to be challenging Pickford it's easier to offer him a sort of like one year, maybe two year contract at most, cut ties with him. Uh, you've got a younger goalkeeper than Stick Ellenberg if you need him for cup games or if Pickford gets injured, etc. Yeah. I think it strikes me as a no brainer, to be honest. And I guess the other thing I'm thinking of is, and I'll open this up to anybody who wants to, to challenge it. How many goalkeepers with two full seasons of Premier League football are you going to get for nothing? Exactly. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, trying to think of football clubs with two, you know, experienced goalkeepers challenging each other. There aren't many, to be fair. Um, you know, Manchester City have, but obviously they have riches, you know, so beyond, you know, compare. Um, Liverpool, I mean, I know Simon Mignolet isn't, you know, massively thought of, mm. you know, so across the park, but, you know, he's a mm. very, very experienced, you know, so decent Premier League goalkeeper. But no, there aren't many. Uh, it is arguably the, the toughest job in football, you know, so trying to be number two to an established goalkeeper. And Jordan Pickford's not just Everton's established goalkeeper, he's England's number one goalkeeper. So it's going to be tough trying to find anybody that is going to challenge for his place. But I just would have liked to have seen, I don't know if I can say, somebody that's going to push him a little bit harder. Because yeah, if there's anything that Jordan Pickford, you know, so does need, it's a little bit of pressure maybe, you know, just somebody, somebody to, you know, to, to push him, you know, so improve him. I mean, Gav, could, I mean, could Lossell put that pressure on? I mean, I, you know, I have to be totally honest. I've only ever seen him what four times in, you know, whatever it yeah. is in the Premier League and the odd game on the TV. I mean, I don't really know how good he is. Maybe, maybe he is a good goalkeeper in, a, in a, just in a very, very poor team. How does a goalkeeper put pressure on the established keeper if they're not playing? Well, I asked this to Marco Silva a couple of weeks ago, and he said it's by it's in training. That's the only way they can do it, and that's by performing in training yeah. so, I mean, so much harder for a keeper though yeah. isn't it I would imagine it would be more related to Pickford's form completely disappearing which to be fair on, on occasions last season there were questions about Randy but he actually finished the season quite well so does um, that not back up the merits of buying somebody well signing somebody like Lossell for free not yeah, spending well, any exactly, money but you'd also extend, extend that to Virginia can't you as well it's how how is 
how is he going to develop over the next two or three years? Loan? To, to, to become first choice keeper. That's the obvious, mm. obvious route, isn't it? You know, you're not going to develop an under 23 level, I would imagine. Um, so I, to say, I think it's an enormous sort of um, confidence booster, whatever you would call it, for, for Pickford, really. You know, it's, it's saying that, you know, we don't think there's anybody out there who, who's well, you know, be good enough to challenge you. Uh, I mean, we've got total faith in your ability. So I think um, that's that's the other thing, and and I think the financial things key key mm-hmm. to me. I think yeah, I think it goes back to what you were saying before. You know, Everton have got to improve in so many positions across yeah. the pitch. I think goalkeeper, like a second choice goalkeeper, is should be like fairly low down the priorities list. So if you can get one in for free, who, as you say, Phil's got two years of Premier League experience behind him already. And, and Pickford, um, you know, obviously goalkeepers tend not to pick up as many injuries as outfield players, but I think he's what he's played 38 games back to back. Yeah, first, I haven't played for 40 years. There you go. So, so seasons, there's obviously yeah. in that respect, there's a reliability they obviously feel yeah. with him. And that actually, Lossell, or whoever it is, probably isn't going to be called upon other than, other than the cup. I'm, yeah. more, I'm more worried about Virginia's progress yeah. rather than. The, the thing with Pickford. So what, would you, what would you do with him? Say, say, hypothetically then, Pickford's still number one. Jonas Lossell gets signed. Martin Secklenberg moves on uh, for a nominal fee with 12 months left in his contract. And Virginia comes into the squad. Or do you keep Stecklenberg and send Virginia on loan? Or, do you, or do, you, do you have two goalkeepers, Lossell and Pickford, and then promote... Um, Joe Hilton or another one of the yeah. academy keepers is the third keeper and still send Virginia on loan. Well, I'd be giving as many opportunities as possible to Virginia within the club, to be fair, but that's not going to be possible really, is it? So a loan, loan thing might be the best best way best way round, round it for them to get the relevant experience. Because I've, I've seen him a few times and he, he's half decent, isn't he? You know, he's mm. obviously talent there and uh, potential. So... I think it's the type of asset I think that fits into our plan, doesn't it? Mm. Brands' plan. So I think we need to give him as many opportunities as possible. I think certainly for the future, he's somebody who fits into the plan. Yeah. But as of yet, I tend to think of it now, if Pickford were to get injured and Virginia was our only keeper, would I feel confident in him no. stepping into the first team? I probably wouldn't. No. So that's why I think get Losal in, who has got Premier League experience behind him. And I'd send Virginia else on loan, maybe to a championship club, maybe mm. uh, somewhere overseas, because I think he's really good with the ball at his feet as well. Maybe somewhere overseas would be a little bit better suited to him. Any less underwhelmed, Preno, after hearing no, the, except, the counter? Except, <laughs> except the arguments, but I still stick by the fact that I want to see somebody that's going to just try and force improvements out of Jordan Pickford. You know, he's best goalkeeper I've seen at Emerson for some while, but there are still parts of his game uh, that can be improved upon, notably, you know, sort of temperaments and, <laughs> and attitude. And uh, I'm not saying that somebody, you know, sort of, you know, b- snapping at his heels trying to claim his first team place is going to help improve yeah. that. Uh, but just you want competition in, in places and like, m- most managers always want, you know, sort of two players for each position. And we're sort of accepting that there isn't going to be competition for the first team, you know, for the goalkeeper's shirt. It's just somebody that's going to be there for the Carabao Cup if needed. But that's a different argument altogether. You know, we could argue Pickford should play in them as well. You know, so I would, you want a, a stronger team as possible in the cup competitions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, And yeah. you and you would imagine that, uh, you know, in, in, in these early stages of discussions with Losal or, or his people, 
Everton haven't made any promises that they don't intend in keeping in terms of they'd say you will be number two and spend the majority of the season on the bench. Exactly. I mean, he's, he's obviously he's at a club that's just been relegated, you know, so it's going to suit him to be one to be around in the Premier League. But what kind of exposure is he going to get other than sat in the dugout, you know, so mm. every week? It's a difficult one. Um, I can understand why you'd want to come to Everton. I can understand why Everton would want to, to take him. I just stick to the fact that it's quite an underwhelming, you know, so swoop for me. Gav, will Pickford or Losel or whoever takes place in goal next season um, be playing behind Kurt Zuma? Complex question, this isn't it? With the Chelsea, well, I've come the to Chelsea you, thing, yeah. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> complex guy, smartest yeah, of all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> say before, said earlier on the podcast a few weeks ago. Number one priority during the summer: get Kurt Zuma. Full stop ahead of anything else about bringing players in selling players or whatever ahead of Andre Gomez yeah <clears throat> oh yeah absolutely yeah. So, Gomez I can live with or without to be honest with you but Kurt Zuma to me is exactly the right type of player we need at the back gets the best out of Michael Keane you see that there's definitely the shift qualities there the way he sort of his general body language and the way he acts on the pitch um, number one priority, and I would do everything to to get him. Mm. But there's obviously there's these complexities with Chelsea's uh, transfer dealings and, and so on. Michael, but, yeah, Michael Ball saying the same thing in his column yeah. recently, Gav, that Zuma should be the first one through the door. Adam, based on what Silver said though about he, he groups Kurt and Andre as almost like together as as a signing, almost in what in his what he's saying, and he's saying for, for Everton to maintain the level these two players have to come in. Do you think actually Everton could maintain the level there or thereabouts of this season by just getting Zuma or do they have to both come? Uh, I think if Gomez wasn't to come, then you'd need to get someone in of a level sort of quality and perhaps even in his profile, which the problem is with Gomez, Like I think he's a very unique sort of player. There's not really many profiles. Uh, players in world football who've got his sort of you know strength build quality on the ball you know pace uh, how quickly he adapted to the Premier League as well and now he's played in the Premier League crucially exactly but I think I'd agree with Gav I think Zuma for me is the big one and I think the most important thing that we should be looking at is that is Zuma's comments himself uh, it wasn't that long ago that he was saying look I'm going to be playing next season where I think I'm going to get minutes is he going to get the minutes at Chelsea you know David Luiz has just signed a new contract Rudiger's still their best centre-back. So you'd presume that's still going to be mm. Sadi's first-choice centre-back parent. Like, has Zuma done enough at Everton? You know, Sadi will be looking at it. You know, Everton finished eighth. He had a really shaky spell throughout December, January. Has he done enough to earn a place in a Chelsea team that are going to be looking for Champions League qualification at the very least next season, if not going on and winning trophies, perhaps challenging for the league? It's it's really interesting, and I think I still think Zuma's best chance of minutes is at Everton. A lot has been said about the ball being firmly in Chelsea's court. You know they've got this transfer ban looming over their heads as it stands. That's that's in place. But do you actually maybe think that player power will be the decisive factor here? Adam saying that Zuma wants to play is actually the onus on Zuma to go. I've got to get out of here. You've got to sell me. You're not going to play me. It usually is nowadays, uh, you know, so players exert more power than they ever have previously and they generally get what they want. Um, 
we don't know what uh, what, what Kurt Zuma wants. I mean, all of the, the the background music, you know, mood music has been good. Uh, Michael Keane, when he spoke to uh, to Alan Myers last week, said that he'd spoken to Kurt Zimmer about his future and Kurt himself didn't actually know, mm. you know so what was going to happen. So clearly he needs to go back to Chelsea and, you know, so articulate those views to them. Uh, sounds like I'm playing devil's advocate here because, to, you know, to me, I love Zuma. You know, so a great defender, but I don't think he's the priority. I, I think Andre Gomez, uh, because he's something that we don't actually have in the squad. I mean, Yerry Mina was also brought in. We haven't seen enough of him to, you know, formulate an opinion. Yes, he's, he's been a little bit underwhelming last season, whereas Kurt Seaman was overwhelming. Uh, you know, in an ideal world, you'd want both. Uh, but I just think the midfield area at Everton, if you take Andre Gomez out of it, you absolutely 100% do need to bring somebody else in of that ilk, you know, because there certainly isn't anybody else in the squad who fits that bill. And he just made such an impression on me, you know, with uh, how seamlessly he adjusted uh, to life at Everton and in the Premier League. He had a little bit of a dip, you know, so shortly after his first month or so, but came back again. He's had one or two moments disciplinary-wise. Uh, but just just like what I see, and I just think, you know, it's, it's so difficult to get such a an accomplished forward-passing midfielder in your squad, you know, for what what would you have to pay for him? 30 million maybe, you know, that's in modern terms, not a massive sum of money. Um, I, I think that is arguably uh, more important than getting Kurt Zuma on board. But ideal world, you want both because they are both very, very good for the football club. I mean, I'd argue Zuma is something that we don't have if Zuma goes, then our, our, our remaining centre-backs don't necessarily have a lot of pace, don't necessarily have a lot of confidence in bringing the ball out from the back. Yeah. And I think those are two things that Zuma in particular excels in. He does. I just think that you can get other centre-backs, you know, so the market nowadays, you know, they are probably more accessible than creative midfield players. Mm. I just think mm. they're easier to identify. I'm not going to, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, just said <laughs> that, but you just think that, you know, so centre-back as a marketplace is probably a little bit more accessible than, uh, than creative midfielders. Are you confident about Gomez? Not after what you told me, but at the Tottenham Stadium on the final day of the season when he was the last man off the pitch staring wistfully around the place. Mm. Possibly he just wanted to bag a goal. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't know. There is clearly, you know, command or, you know, demand for his services. Um, and f- for some reason, you know, so foreign players just love that allure of London. They like, you know, so being in the capital mm. city. Uh, Tottenham can obviously offer Champions League football. You know, they're Champions League finalists this year. Um, that that's very very appealing, and if you know their interest in Andre Gomez is genuine, Everton have got a real battle on their hands to keep him. So, mm. no, I'm not massively confident. Gav, are you, are you swayed by anything Preno says in terms of softening uh, uh, your? Sw- very very yeah, rarely, yes. Now, now, <laughs> I to me, Gomez is. I'm not sure on his role in the team. Right, he's not a he's not he's not a defensive midfielder. For me, he's somebody I say, as, as Penna was saying about, like, play further up the pitch before with passes, but he doesn't, to me, a lot of his best work is done on the halfway line where he does a nice little turn or a nice little shimmy and passes it out wide. He, he, he reminds me a little bit of, you know, this is me and Penna being <laughs> old, is it? Oh, God, what, you know go. what Brian Clough, like, paraphrasing the old Muhammad Ali phrase about Trevor Buck and about uh, floats like a butterfly and stings like one as well, is sometimes with Gomez, it's a bit like that for me, is that he doesn't hurt opponents enough. Mm. He doesn't do enough for what he did against Wolves. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, got, I mean, Joe, think, Joe, to bring that a little bit more up yeah. to date, Joe Royal used to have a phrase like that, yeah. and there were footballers out there that he disliked enormously. I mean, you probably hate me for saying this now. He described it as like kissing your sister, and he yeah. said there was... Um, 
Midfield is out there and Gary Flickcroft and um, Jamie Redknapper too yeah. fitted that bill. And he said, that, you know, looked the part on the pitch, you know, so they had the stature, they had the presence. But what did they actually do that actually hurt you know, opponents? I disagree with Gomez. You know, so I think he does do things. You know, he plays the ball, you know, forward yeah. a lot. He, what, what did that, that phrase Roberto Martinez came out with? Pre-assists, you know, so <laughs> he was involved in so many of them. Uh, you know, the scored arguably one of the goals of last season. I, I, he was involved far more in the final third than I think. Well, uh, well I'd like, I'd like to see for. him. Yeah, I, I get that. I, but I'd like to see him give him more opportunities to do to do that. Because when he's playing with just a guy, okay, he's not like a holding midfielder either. He, as we see in the second half of the season, he's you know a bit more potent winning the ball back in the opposition's final third. I'd. If you're going to play Gomez and bring him in, we need to hold the midfield that it was just protected defence and say to Gomez, you know, you play further up the pitch than what you did do in the campaign just gone. Can you just so you can not, not do that? In I your don't. Opinion? I don't think he's a holding midfielder. No. I think. I think to get the best out of him, you got to play him further up the pitch where he can win the ball back. I don't think he's disciplined enough to play in front of the defence like Schneiderlin can. Mm. Um, and I've got no problem with Gomez, but he should have a different role to what. He had this year in the midfield shape needs to be slightly different. Um, could, Do, are you suggesting that it needs to be a change in formation? Well, we spoke about well, we did, Sigurdsson, yeah, yeah. didn't we? About yeah. Our midfield shape is determined on Sigurdsson's role in the team, isn't mm. it? That he, he's effectively, he can't play in a three, he plays effectively as a second striker, doesn't he? Yeah. Which means that limits our options in the midfield. He's only got two players then. And I think... In a, in a perfect world, what you'd say with Gomez is that you'd have three in the midfield, wouldn't you? And not not not, not one of them wouldn't be Sigurdsson, mm. and you, you'd you'd have him maybe Perhaps further Davis, up, like yeah that. yeah, further up the pitch. And um, I've no problem signing Gomez. He's obviously quality, but I'd want to see him in a role that hurts the opposition more. That uses the skills that Penno was talking about. Uh, before, which has not necessarily been the case this year because of the shape of the team. It's definitely something Silva has, has mentioned about him getting into the box and yeah. making those late runs and, and, and being more of an impact. Yeah, he did he did, he did it before Christmas. I mean, there was a couple of assists. and the, I mean, he was in the six-yard box at Anfield, wasn't he, you know? Mm. And that's the type of thing I want. If we sign him, yeah, definitely that's the role for him. But I don't want to see a sign him where we just have him as a sort of hold and stroke. Not box to box, but somebody's more more defensively minded. Mm. Potentially, that could be big for bringing him in because presumably, he's, if he's going to come here over any sort of Champions League football, he's going to want some sort of assurances that we're going to be bringing in the kind of quality players that he thinks are not only going to take Everton into that like Champions League contention, but are going to yeah. give him the kind of opportunities. Because I bet you Gomez wants to be getting into the box a little bit more. He wants to be getting forward a lot more, but the system that we've been playing this season, more often than not, just hasn't been allowing no, him to. He's got Sigerson playing right in front of him as, as, as a, essentially a midfielder where he isn't really. He's a second striker. And uh, so that that needs looking at. I mean, going back to the Champions I mean, that'd be Batum and would have the same attitude only but yeah. come in, I'd want to see similar signings. And yeah, I like Gomez and I agree with Preno, but I think he, he needs a slightly different role to this campaign. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. How much of a factor, um, Preno or not, is is Silver in, in, in his last couple of press conferences seems to be making a point about, about both Zuma and Gomez, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, saying, we believed in you when nobody else did. 
how much of a factor is that in terms of almost pulling on the emotional strings a little bit? It's a, it's a ploy worth trying, but sadly, I don't think it has any currency at all because modern footballers, whether you like it or not, are pretty mercenary and they go wherever best suits them. And uh, yeah, OK, Marco Silva's given them an opportunity when they were suffering, you know, when, you know, Zuma was on loan at a club that had been relegated. Andre Gomez was basically ostracised at Barcelona. So, you know, he, he took them both, um, put an arm around them and gave them an opportunity Will they remember that? Possibly. You know, so you, you don't know. So, you know, some footballers, you know, so sort of do show loyalty, you know, so sort of for managers who've helped them out. But more often than not, uh, they just go wherever suits them best. And Everton have got to look after them and continue to look after them, not just financially, but in terms of what they want ambition-wise. And uh, as the guys have just said, yeah, that maybe means, you know, so it's showing them that Everton do have ambition in the transfer market this summer and do intend to continue to improve the squad and aim for the top six, which is where they want to be playing. It feels like the last time that that we as a club have, have, have waited so sort of... Um or, or been so hung up on, on a lone player and, and hoping to sign him permanently was Lukaku. Do you think lessons learned from from the Lukaku situation is just have to hold our nerve and eventually, you know, the fact that he's been with the club and both of those players have been with the club for a season will have a deciding factor? Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was a slightly different situation with Lukaku in that he was still a very young striker mm. at the time. And on his loan period at West Brom, he wasn't starting many games. He was actually coming on as a sub an awful lot. And Roberto Martinez sold it to him on the basis that you will improve as a striker here because we're going to play it from the start and you're going to be able to, you know, sort of develop stamina. You're going to develop, you know, sort of ability to play, you know, sort of matches. So he saw this as part of his personal development. Uh, Gomez and Zuma are already, you know, sort of more rounded, more complete footballers. So it's not really the same kind of situation. Um, and even then, Everton really did get to break a you know a club transfer record there to land Lukaku, and you know I said it many times, great signing that was. You know, so I mean, it, it used to say that we wouldn't perhaps more in Zuma's case, you know, push the club record, you know, Sigurdsson around the forty million mark. I mean, he used to say that we wouldn't have to make Zuma as it stands. Well, yeah, Chelsea are going to need something quite significant to, to tempt them, given their own personal circumstances. That's a lot of money for a, for a centre-back, but he's young, you know, and he's, uh, he's still improving. And obviously the bar's being set very high with, you know, sort of Virgil van Dijk and 75 million. Mm. So, you know, maybe it, if you say it quickly, it doesn't sound quite as much. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, as we know, Farhad Mashiri has deep pockets, but you know there, there is financial fair play that you have to think mm. about now as well, uh, which is as a club not too far from here is finding out. Gav, you say Zuma's the priority. Would you be, you know, if you were in charge of the coffers at Everton, would you be happy, well, not happy, but willing to break well, the, club records? There's a couple and- of things going on here. This is like what we spoke about on Friday. A lot of this activity depends on us getting the players out, as Tano was saying about. I know. Because you've got, you've got accounting stuff to, to look at. So um, I think priority, I would go back to what I said at the start. He's our priority this year. I think seeing with Van Dijk, having a good centre-half, bringing him in can make an enormous difference to to yourself as a, as a club, as a team. And I've seen a lot of Zuma last year and the, the year before and stuff. And I would have no no problem getting what it takes to, to bring him in. Mm. Um, and 
all great great clubs are, you know, if you want to progress is based on having a sound defence so as we saw at the end of end of last season we've done it before if you remember <clears throat> you know the eyebrows that were raised when Howard Kendall broke the uh, the British transfer record you know for Dave Watson yeah. at the time it was like a million quid which back then you know was a, an incredible sum of money and uh, Ken Brown the Norwich chairman described it as like having his right arm cut off when he lost Dave Watson and Everton fans were underwhelmed you know because Derek Manfield was such a crowd favourite uh, but wow he became a club legend you know yeah. so, and made such a difference for so long so yeah th- there are certain positions where you do need to spend a, a huge sum of money goalkeeper definitely because you know it's always been something that's like been looked down upon in English football you know so goalkeepers but you know the top clubs always have an absolute top goalkeeper you need to spend heavily on that position centre forward is the other one you need a reliable goal scorer that's a, a podcast that'll take you know mm. 45 minutes all on its own to discuss that situation at Everson but you know you need to spend heavily on that one and then centre half I would argue is the other position as well uh, well as you said the thing in the podcast with, with Alan last time I was like all our best teams well had the great spine yeah. and I think that's what it's essentially saying here, aren't we? Really? I think what's interesting though is you're probably pay, paying a premium in terms of Zuma in the fact that he's risk-free, essentially. Yeah. We know that he's going to settle in yeah. well at Everton. We know the manager likes him. We know he likes the manager. We know the fans have got a great connection with him already. You can play with Keane, you can play with me. Well, exactly. you can play with me. Course, exactly. Yeah. So, And we know he improves the team. So essentially, I think Chelsea will look at that and probably add another couple of million on and go, you know, you, you, you really want him. Yeah, and of course, the problem, if, if you want to call it a problem for us, is that, Preno, we spent £27.5 million on Mina plus add-ons. So that's, you know, the negotiations don't even start. At 30, they start above that, don't they? Because sure. Chelsea know yeah. what we're, you know, what we're willing to pay for Mina. And they'll go, well, Zuma's better than Mina, wouldn't the, they? The, the grace, you know, so imponderable here is um, what the club thinks Yerry Mina can become because mm. uh, you know as you just said you, you cost an awful lot of money so clearly he's been bought with the future in mind and we didn't see enough of him last season and when we did you know it was it was up and down you know so I would suggest more downs than ups last season uh, but clearly p- people see a future for him uh, so you know Keane's also you know so young for a centre half is Keane and Mina you know so seen as a long term partnership in which case you know so is Zuma are they prepared to spend that amount of money uh, on a third centre-back? I don't do, know. Do we have to have three genuinely, not necessarily world-class, but that level centre-backs for us to, to progress? Uh, you need, you certainly need three, you know, so you could argue four, but um, you do have a, a partnership in mind who's going to be your first choice partnership. And, you know, for Everton last season, it was Keane and Zuma, you know, so that was the most effective partnership. Uh, but just like I say, Mina is you know the great imponderable that we don't mm. really know about yet. You know, so what they, they plan for him uh, is he going to be part of the club's you know, long-term future? Is he going to develop? Is he going to get a run in the team? At the moment, he's got to stay injury-free, which is proven difficult. Mm. Is that a concern for us? Having spent that big money, that twelve months later, we're still a little bit in the in, in the dark, as it were. Well, we did the life. same with Michael Keane, though, didn't we? Yeah, he had that game. He had that game time, Michael Keane, and he wasn't established. He played Premier League with. I think it's been unfortunate that he's picked up was it three different injuries yeah. or three separate injuries that he's not been allowed that time. I think I think it's just a case of almost starting again with him this summer. Get him in fit for pre season and having a full a full run at it. And then in twelve months' time, if we've still got concerns, then maybe yeah, mm. maybe that is like, yeah, we might have made a mistake. Yeah. But I personally still think that if he can concentrate and focus in matches and lose that kind of La Liga mentality of 
when you're not playing against the established teams, it's gonna, you know, that's yeah. gonna be easy because that for me, that's that for me is where he's kind of fallen foul. Yeah. When we've not played mm. Chelsea, Liverpool, City, etc. Although he've made mistakes against City, of course, he's he's just assumed it's not gonna need the same focus, intensity, concentration. Yeah. And that's where he's let himself down. Was it against mm. Lincoln? The lad bullied him. The, yeah, the John Akindi yeah, in the yeah, first yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Millwall in the FA Cup. It was you know, yeah, the first exactly. goal that was conceded. He was involved in. So yeah, he does have a, a concentration issue with the. But moment. what gives you a lot of promises? Like his two performances against Chelsea. In well, particular, yeah, exactly. they both came. Side, yeah. They both came off the back of him. You know, being out injured, they didn't get hardly got any game time but at that's, all that's before the point. first one, isn't it? Like Anfield, I thought he was excellent. Yeah, you know, and then those two games you mentioned. Yeah, really good. He's he's quite clearly got a lot of quality about him, and you can see, you know, when when you watch games like that, you can see why, you know, he's gone for so much money. You can see why Barcelona were interested in him in, in the first place. Mm. It's just as you say, like I think the fit the fitness is probably a major thing. He needs a good three four months straight just in in the team. It's it, it's a good it's good it's a good point, isn't it? That really about playing against the top clubs, that that's the sort of thing that. Evan under silver are like anyway, aren't we? We're oh, yeah. more comfortable collectively and individually are playing against the bigger teams that we see in last season. Is where we tended to struggle a little bit is teams outside of the top six who who sort of not going to say part the bus. Less where, adventurous, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ambitious where we've got to think about things a little bit more. And I think uh, that's something that we need collectively to to address mm. both on an individual level and the way we we set up ourselves. And um, that, that, ironically enough, next season, it's the games outside the top six we need to focus on yeah. a bit more about winning them. Yes, mm. absolutely. Because Silver's style is perfect. And I think he's comfortable with about, about it is perfect for playing against the top six. Mm. I, think it's, I think it then boils down to getting the right players in to yeah. be able to perhaps do a couple of different styles yes. against, yeah. against different types of teams. You know, we need a different style against the likes of you know, just plucking anyone out there, a Burnley who are going to sit, set up with like two banks of four in front of us rather than, mm. you know, a Liverpool who are going to come and attack us and leave gaps in behind. Yeah. Okay, moving on from uh, Zuma, Gomez and Lossell. Um, Preno, a little bit of fantasy footy maybe. Of <laughs> the players that have been linked or players that we know are of interest to the club, is there one, is there a, is there one name that you go, oh, I hope to God we get him? I've not seen... Any name really that's like, you know, sort of made me sit up and take notice and go, wow, yeah, you know, that would be great. I mean, Thomas Mernier this week has been linked, you know, the right back at PSG. Okay, you know, sounds like, you know, promising, you know, I don't think it's going to be quite the same impact that Lucas Dean had, you know, should he arrive. Um, Antoine Griezmann is clearly available, but I've not seen everything <laughs> linked with him once, which disappoints me immensely. I'm sure if I can find 80 million quid for a decent, uh, decent centre forward. Um, but no, it's been relatively quiet at the moment. I mean, the transfer window only opened, was it last last Thursday? Um, so it's still very, very early days. But given that, you know, we're told that Marcel Brands and Marco Silva have identified the positions that they want to strengthen in and they know the targets that they want, I would have thought we'd have seen a little bit more by now. Uh, so now I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting to be uh, to, to be impressed and, t- you know, s- sitting bolt upright in my chair and, you know, so wow, thing of can't think of anybody that the club have been linked with that really, you know, so sort of, you know, wets me appetite at the moment. Do you have anybody in the rumour mill that's that's caught your eye? No, I'm, I'm with I'm with Preno on this. I think it's far more interesting to to, to analyse where the where on the pitch those players that we've been linked with are. Mm. You know, like I say, right back, 
centre forward. You know yeah. the types of play, places that we do probably need to to uh, to bring players in. I, I, I suspect that the players we get in will will maybe not the ones that we're expecting in terms of like top quality, but there'll be investments. So they may yes. not be like, oh, he's a great player. Him. It'd be yeah. somebody may people that maybe we've not heard of. We that, have to Google this. Yeah, quickly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, get his Wikipedia page. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I think that the I think under brands that will be in that more that area rather than paying twenty seven big money for a 27, 28 year old well, with that, lots of Champions League experience. I was, was going to come on to that gap, but as you, you've mentioned it, because the big issue and it's been debated, uh, or for for many months if not for longer. Do we think therefore that any idea of signing a what we would class as a big name striker, somebody we know? For big money, is is something that will happen, or do we actually think it's something that's just not even in the thinking? I, I don't think it'd be in the thinking at the moment because the, there's areas of the pitch to to sort of uh, bring players in, and you can't. You can, there's probably four. We probably need to bring in say four players rather than one big name striker. I mm. think, and and I think that will cost money. And I, I'm not. I'm not I'm not saying that our business model, our recruitment model on the brands is, is set out to do that. I think it's set out to do something different. That's an investment in the future. Um, and we, we have to have one eye, eye on our finances as ever and our wage bill as well. Um, so I, I think you, you will be more smart at recruitment in terms of age of players and the place of players. I was going to say that there is clearly a strategy at play yeah. at the club at the moment, Sean Spurs, and we know for a fact that they are concerned at the number of players they still have on big wages that they've got to yeah. try and move on. And, you know, that is going to be a priority this summer. And it's much easier said than done. And I think, you know, if, for argument's sake, Everton could suddenly move on, you know, so four or five players who are on, you know, sort of big wages, uh, I think the possibility of seeing a much higher priced mm-hmm. you know, sort of acquisition arrive, you know, is suddenly increased. The most interesting comments I've heard this week was uh, was Marco Silva talking about Henry Onyekuru's uh, future, where he talked about um, the club already has is it four wide right-sided, right-footed players, and Henry Onyekuru is another one. And to me, that sort of suggested that you know we don't need him. You know, so you know he's basically available if anybody else wants to make us an offer. And he's one of the players you probably could you know sort of unload you know so sort of relatively easily because you know he's proven mm. he's young. You know, transfer fee wasn't massive that Everton paid for him. Well, you know not being able to get a work permit, obviously, uh, as opposed to players who are currently on the club's books who are on massive wages that's just going to be virtually impossible to move on. So I don't think we're going to see, you know, any massive, you know, sort of priced acquisition until we see, you know, at least three or four players move on. That's the priority this summer, I think, you know, for the, the powers that be. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point. I mean, all, this is, all this discussion is predicated on certain assumptions on which players you're going to get, you'll be able to get rid of. Mm. So say... I was talking about like we need a defensive midfielder, but if we spoke about Schneiderlin, didn't he, on on Friday mm. about like if it didn't if Silver didn't want Schneiderlin, then it may be difficult to to to, to get rid of on the fact that he's twenty nine and on big money, and you know somebody some club has got to match that contract, so you might end up keeping Morgan and saying, well, actually, based on your form last year. You know that um, you know we'll take it not a chance, but we'll we'll give you that you know uh, the potential to play a lot more game time next season. So you might not end up buying a defensive midfielder. You know you know what I'm saying. Mm. It is it is predicated on 
Dave's saying, or us getting rid of players, where are we going to replace? Mm. I think what essentially comes into the fact that like, when, when we're looking at who we're going to bring in this summer, if we're bringing in younger players, they've got a better resale value. Yeah, in, yeah, that's in, it. Instantly, like if, if you bring in a younger sort of player and God forbid he doesn't work out, it's a bit less of a risk than if you brought in, you know, a 28, 27, 28, 29 year old. Giving name. Him, giving, yeah, big name, giving him big wages. If he doesn't work out, then you've you've got quite a job on your hands to try yeah, and yeah, well, exactly. get him which, out the which, door, haven't you? Which is the mistake we made, not the mistake, which was, I see why we did it, which was our strategy in 2016-17, wasn't it? Yeah. Buy players, mid to late 20s, and put them on, it was sort of established play, Premier League players, and put them on big money. And so, that's come back to bite us a little bit, So, hasn't so it, really? ultimately, if, if we get to August the... Is it the eighth, the deadline, five yeah, o'clock, like and the club have added a striker, but he isn't a name. It ultimately comes down to to, to trust in in brands and silver and the board again, doesn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, talking about you know priorities, you know, so transfer wise, is it Curtis, is it Andre Gomez? I would still argue that a striker is the overwhelming priority of all. Um, and I know the club has high hopes for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and I know we have seen you know significant improvement from him last season, but I still don't think, in terms of his goals return, he's ready uh, to lead a you know sort of thirty-eight Premier League match you know, sort of campaign. I'd like to see a, a more established you know sort of front-level striker you know acquired. And again, we know they're not going to target those kind of individuals. Going to be somebody that can play across the uh, the front three and can you know sort of interchange positions. But that's the area of the pitch that is most lacking, I think. I mean, you look at the defensive record, the last 10 games of the season, that, that was outstanding. Uh, you know, so they seem to have that showed up quite wonderfully. Midfield clearly needs a little bit of attention, you know, especially if Andre Gomez, you know, so can't be acquired. But for me, the big glaring, glaring hole in the squad is in a goal scorer, mm-hmm. uh, a, a regular, you know, sort of top-level goal scorer. And I think that should be the absolute priority. Whether it will be, well, we'll have to wait and see. Interesting. Well, we'll uh, wrap up the podcast there. Um, interesting uh, discussion. Thank you very much for your company, chaps. Really enjoyed that. And thank you very much for listening. Uh, you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. Remember, you can rate, subscribe and review us on iTunes and the Acast app. So please do so. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.